do big things. I'm expecting God to just shine and pour out a whole stack of goodness that, um, that we didn't have before. So it's going to be a great morning. I have a beautiful friend here with me this morning. Her name's Olivia. And she actually comes to our dance classes on a Thursday with her beautiful son and daughter. And um, Olivia has a real creative gift. So while I'm actually sharing this morning, I asked her to come and use some of her creative gift and create something for us that God kind of spoke into my heart about. So she's going to come up here and um, give her a really warm welcome. We're really excited to hear. I'm really excited to hear. Yay! <laughs> so she's going to be being creative and using all these gifts and talents that she has while I share. How does that sound? Good? All right, let's pray. We thank you, God, that you're here. I thank you, God, that you're real. I thank you that you have good things for our lives and you have a good word to speak into our hearts this morning. So we just open our arms and our hearts and our spirits, Father, to receive everything that you would say and input and do and work deep on the inside of us, God. Bring revelation, bring transformation, God. Take us from glory to glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Who knows life can get a little bit crazy sometimes? Does life ever get a bit crazy for you? Sometimes life gets a bit crazy for me. The unexpected happens. Things don't always go according to plan, do they? Life just does not always work out exactly the way we imagined it would. You know, when I was um, having Samuel, my beautiful champion, who's on data this morning, when I was having Samuel, I had this image when I was pregnant of um, how easy having babies would be and giving birth would be and my ch- I would just have a really easy pregnancy, really easy labour. I just wasn't going to go through pain like other women. <laughs> my child was going to sleep. My child was going to eat really well. Really, my life was just kind of going to be perfect. You know, I remember the midwives or something telling me, trying to give me some advice, and I was like, no, it's just not going to go like that for me. Everything's just going to be breezy. And you know what? When Samuel was born, it was definitely, without doubt, one of the greatest moments of my life. Absolutely extraordinary. But you know what? The journey does not always go according to plan, does it? (laughs) Just doesn't always go according to plan. We did sleep school and, um, you know, four years later, I got to sleep through the night. Life just does not always go according to plan. And I guess in life and in all of its happenings, you know, Jesus Christ is my constant, yeah? He's our rock, he's our dependable, he is our unshakable, he is our all-powerful, he is the only one in everything that goes on that is solid rock, yeah? Life can be great and then life can totally fall apart, yeah? It can be heartbreaking, it can be extraordinary, Um, we can feel like we're kicking incredible goals, and being all that we're created to be, and then we can just feel like we fell in a heap and we're just completely falling short. Who's been there? Me. Let's be real. We've all been there, haven't we? But you know what? No condemnation, yeah? (laughs) We've all been there. We've all worked that journey. 
So I want to read you a story from the Bible this morning about a man who went through a whole lot of um, horrible, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching stuff. And let's see how God worked in that. So it's from Job 1, 13 to 20. And it says, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came. He's having a bad day, isn't he? He's having a really bad day. And said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. This is just going from bad to worse for Job. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Wow. It's like intense, isn't it? It's really full on. So in our kind of everyday language, (laughs) what happened to that story? He lost his oxen, lost his donkeys, lost his servants, he lost his sheep. He lost his camels and then if financial ruin wasn't enough, then he actually lost his children. So in today's terms, it would be like, okay, well, I just went bankrupt. I lost my house. I lost my business. I lost my share portfolio. I lost any money in the bank. I just have no money left to live on. And then if I'm not completely gutted and wiped out from that, now the most precious things in the world, my children, have died. It's kind of shocking, isn't it? It's like absolutely devastating. Financial ruin and worse, just the people that he loved, the people that were the most precious, died. Has anyone ever experienced that? (laughs) Like all your hopes, all your dreams, you know? all the stuff that you're believing for, all the stuff that you've been praying for, all those stories that you just thought were going to work out hunky-dory. You know, maybe it's one thing or maybe it's a lot of things, but you've lost. You've lost things that you loved. You've lost things that you cherished. You've lost things that were so valuable to you. I can't imagine how Job felt. I can't imagine the devastation. I can't imagine the... Um, the heartache that he was feeling. You know, when I was reading this story, I was like, I wonder if he even thought about just packing it all in. 
wonder if he just thought, oh, I just can't do this, you know, I can't go on like this, I can't carry on like this. I wonder if he just thought, you know what, I just want to give up on life itself. I wonder if he even felt like that. But you know what, he's an extraordinary man because it's his response to what happened that blows me away. It's like his response that I believe enabled God to create something so beautiful out of something that was so tragic. Because in Job 42, a bit later in the story, it actually says that the Lord doubled what Job originally had, yeah? And that the Lord blessed the later days of his life more than he had the earlier ones. So how did this happen? How did his life get blessed? How did his later days get more blessed? How did God double, you know, what he had? In um, Job 1, verse 20, after all this devastation, after all this heartache, after this incredible loss, Job did something that was just crazy. He like, he blows my mind. He didn't, he didn't scream, he didn't yell, he didn't throw a pity party, he didn't give up on life, you know. Um, it says that he got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. How did he do that? How did he worship God in that? How did he come to a place where he was actually just able to fall on his face and worship the Lord in the worst circumstances of his life? That just blows my mind. Somewhere he got a revelation of, you know what, I've got to fix my eyes on God. I have got to fix my eyes on the Father. I have got to set my eyes on him. I've got to get before him because he is the only answer in this um world of pain and um and i really believe that the cry of the father's heart is that absolutely nothing absolutely nothing would take our gaze off him yeah that not heartache not loss not tragedy would take our eyes off him i've been hearing god just resonate this word in my spirit for a while and it's like transfix your eyes on me transfix your eyes on me Melanie you know what transfix means it means to become motionless with wonder or astonishment yeah like motionless with wonder or astonishment and that's like God we just totally stand in awe of you God I am just in awe of how good you are I am in awe of your love that never ends and never runs out and that none of it is based upon what I do or how I act or if I get it right. But you just love and you love and you love and I'm in awe of that. I'm in awe of your beauty. I'm in awe of your wonder. I'm in awe of your glory. You know, that, that's what he calls us to. It means to be mesmerised, captivated, entranced, fascinated by something. So my question is, are you motionless with wonder, with astonishment? Are you captivated? Are you fascinated by him? Because I truly believe that's the place that he wants us to live from. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, and we don't have it on the screen because I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I want to read it to you. 
says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. And this is the part that I want you to really listen to. It says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. The, um, I'll read you a couple of other versions. The ERV says, we must never stop looking to Jesus. The NIV says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The NLT says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, yeah? How do we look away from the natural realm when we're surrounded by it? Yeah, it's like staring us in the face every moment of every day of our lives. So how do we stop ourselves from being completely caught up? Well, so caught up in everything that we can see in the natural realm that we lose sight of what God wants to do in the supernatural realm. Because the things in the natural realm are really important. Our relationships, they're really important. Our families, they're really important. Our workplaces, our finances, our health, these are all things that are really important. Yeah, they're really important. And God wants those areas to flourish. And we want those areas to flourish. So why is it that he tells us to look away from them? Because God doesn't say things for the sake of saying things. If God says something, then it has purpose and it has power to bring breakthrough into your life. So... So why does he tell us to look away from the natural realm? And what are we supposed to look at? <laughs> yeah? What do we look at? If we're not supposed to be looking at all the stuff, if we're not supposed to be looking at all the stuff, where is it we're supposed to be looking? The scripture says to fasten our eyes on him. Yeah? To fasten our eyes on him. So when I hear that word fast and I'm like, so that's like when you fasten a seatbelt, isn't it? When you get into a car, you automatically fasten your seatbelt on, don't you? If you get into the car with my son Nathan, when he gets in the car, you remind him to fasten his seatbelt on or one won't go on, yeah? So when we find ourselves in challenging situations, we need to fix our eyes on him. When we feel unloved, we need to fasten our gaze on him. When we feel rejected, we need to fasten our gaze on him. When we get up in the morning, we need to fasten our gaze on him. Putting your seatbelt on, it's not a one-time event, is it? Putting your seatbelt on, you don't get in the car today, fasten your seatbelt and you never have to get in the car again and fasten your seatbelt. It is not permanently attached to you, is it? That seatbelt is not automatically on every time you get into the car. You've got to put it on and you've got to put it on 
and you've got to put it on and you've got to put it on and you've got to put it on, don't you? And that's just today. You've got to fasten your gaze. You've got to fasten your gaze. We have to fasten our gaze. We might have to do that 5, 10, 20 times just today. Yeah? Fixing our eyes on Jesus is not a one-time event. Why? Why does he tell us to fix our eyes on him? 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9 says, Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist every attack with strong, vigorous faith. So the devil is like a roaring lion trying to devour something in your life. You know, the Bible tells us that he comes to steal, kill and destroy. So, um, so what does that look like in everyday life? What does that actually look like? The devil's main objective is for you to get so caught up in the stuff you can see. It's for you to get so caught up in the circumstances that you're facing that you totally lose sight of God. Yeah? The devil says things like, focus on all your problems. Focus on everything that doesn't look the way you want it to look. Focus on all your pressures. Focus on all your demands. Focus on the things that you want that you don't have yet. Yeah? He says, focus on them. Get so caught up in them. Get so completely caught up in them. Let them consume you. Meditate on them. Think about them over and over and over and over again. Yeah? But you know what? God's realm is not the natural realm. It's the supernatural realm. And God wants to fix us to fix our eyes on him because he actually wants to do something extraordinary. He wants to do something wonderful. He wants to do something glorious in our lives. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So your eye has never seen before, your eye has never seen before the extraordinary stuff that God wants to do in your life. You actually haven't even seen it yet. It's that big, it's that huge, it's that extraordinary that your eye hasn't seen it. Your ear hasn't heard it, yeah? And no mind has imagined. You haven't even imagined in your wildest imaginations, in your most extraordinary imaginations, in the greatest things that we hope and dream for. The scripture says that we haven't even imagined what God has prepared. Now that's got to be pretty cool, yeah? That's got to be pretty extraordinary. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So I don't know what you're asking God for, but he wants to do more. I don't know what you're asking him for. I don't know what you're prepared to settle for, but he wants to do more, yeah? I don't know what your mind's imagining, but he wants to do 
more. He wants to do immeasurably more than we can hope, dream, or imagine. Who has an active imagination? Who can, like, get an idea in their head and that idea then becomes, like, a 100-page novel? Yeah. Sometimes it becomes a 100-page disaster. (laughs) Sometimes it becomes a 100-page horror movie, depending on our imaginations, you know. It's a little bit sad that somehow our imaginations that God created to be so extraordinary can somehow end up taking us to a place we don't want to be, yeah? God wants us to imagine. He wants us to imagine. He wants us to dream, yeah? God gave us an imagination to be extraordinary and to be wonderful and to be glorious things, yeah? Kids have great imaginations, don't they? Like kids have wild imaginations. When my kids were young, they're only 10 and 11, but when they were really young, I remember Nathan telling me, Mum, when I grow up, I want to go to superhero school. It's like, don't you love that? Don't you love that he even thinks there's a superhero school? Don't you even love that he's been imagining that, like going to the school, getting his superhero outfit, you know, getting trained with his superpowers and just preparing to like go walk, you know, go, um, you know, play with Superman, you know, go save the world with Superman. I love that he was imagining that. I love that he was dreaming that and he was serious. He's like, Mum, I want to go to superhero school. I was like, I think you would be amazing at superhero school, Nathan. You know, that's how God wants us to dream. That's how God wants us to imagine. And then when you imagine a little bit of that, he wants to like blow that. He wants to like shatter that. He wants to do immeasurably more than you can imagine. How cool is that? Samuel, we all know the plan for Samuel's life, don't we? Samuel has it all sorted. His imagination is going for it, yeah? He's going to be an AFL player. He's going to be a trainer, a coach after that. After he's a coach, he's going to be a commentator, you know? Then he'll probably just, you know, become a well-known, fabulous personality superstar, you know? That's his imagination. But you know what? God loves that and he's even got more than that because that's his imagination and the scripture says that we haven't even imagined. So you know what? God's got even better planned. He's got greater planned. He's got more planned. That's cool, hey? It's really cool. So my question is, how extraordinary could God's plans for your life truly be? Like really think about it. How extraordinary could God's plans for your life truly be? That's why the Bible tells us to be like little children. We need to like get our imaginations on like little kids, don't we? We need to like believe like kids believe and imagine like kids imagine. The Lord knew there was something in that. Luke 1 verse 37 says, Not one promise from God is empty of power. Olivia's doing a beautiful creative thing. It will all make sense in the end, yeah? You're doing a wonderful job. That's beautiful. It will all make sense in the end. God's got a plan, yeah? 
So not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. This is from Luke 1.37. Do you know what was happening when these words were said? Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. When that scripture was quoted in the Bible, Mary had become pregnant supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. There was no man involved. There was no falling in love involved. She got pregnant supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, yeah? And Elizabeth, who was barren, conceived a child. So nothing is impossible with God. He wants to do way beyond we can hope, dream and imagine. And I feel like God's saying today, he wants to give us new eyes to see with. He wants to give us fresh vision. He wants us to like see in a new way that we've never seen before. I feel like he's saying, stop looking at the things you can see and start seeing through my eyes because I've got so much more, so much more for you. You know the hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus? Yeah, look full in his wonderful face because the things of earth grow strangely dim. You know, the things around us grow quite dim when we gaze upon the face of the Lord, don't they? Yeah. And you know what? God, God doesn't think like we think. And God doesn't see like we see. God thinks in a whole other realm and God sees in a whole other realm. And he wants to elevate our thinking. He wants to elevate our seeing to a whole new place. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm so glad God doesn't think like me. (laughs) Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts. God wants to change the way we see, yeah? God wants to totally change the way we see. He doesn't see like we see and he does not think like we think. He wants our vision to be set on him and he wants us to see through his eyes. You know what? The devil is all into stinking thinking. He is. He is just all into it. He has got it all covered. Do you know what? You'll even find problems you didn't even know you had, you know, if you just look at them and you look at them and you look at them because what you magnify increases. So if you magnify God, he's going to get a whole lot bigger. If you magnify your problems, they're going to overwhelm you and make you feel like garbage and rip you off from every beautiful thing God has for your life, yeah? God wants us to be the kind of people that are so stuck to him, yeah, so fixed on him, so connected to him in every day, in every moment of our lives. Yeah, he wants our attention completely set on him. God wants us to know that it's impossible for us to be separated from him. Yeah, circumstances can try, problems can try, pressures can try heartbreak can try but the truth is there is actually nothing that can separate us from God yeah nothing has the power to separate you from God nothing has the power to take you away from God Jesus bled he agonized he died to ensure that would never happen Romans 8 35 said who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one. 
absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us, yeah? Troubles, pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. Wow, that's a cool promise. Because life can get a whole lot messy sometimes, can't it? Life can go really wrong sometimes. But this tells us that nothing, absolutely nothing, no troubles, no pressures, no problems, are unable to come between us and heaven's love. So, I have a question for you. If nothing can separate us from God's love, why do we sometimes separate ourselves from him? I'm going to ask it again. If nothing can separate us from God's love, why do we sometimes separate ourselves from him? Why, when he promises to never leave us, do we sometimes turn away from him? Why, when stuff goes wrong in our life, when things hurt us, Why do we run away from him rather than run to him? Why when life gets tough, do we sometimes draw away from him rather than draw closer to him? I read that scripture before, you know. The devil is prowling round like a roaring lion, yeah? He's prowling round and he's trying to get you to separate yourself from the one who will never, ever, ever, ever separate himself from you. And you know what? The devil might be roaring, yeah? The devil might be roaring, but God roars louder, yeah? God roars louder. God roars so much louder. It's like my puppies at the moment. I have five-week-old puppies. They think they're roaring. It's hilarious. It's like this tiny little tinker that you can barely hear. But for them, they're going for it. They're doing their absolute best. They're using all the power they know, yeah, to roar as loud as they possibly can. Well, it's a bit like the devil, yeah? He's trying to roar and he's trying to distract you and he's trying to overwhelm you and he's trying to get you to focus on all the stuff that you don't have. But you know what? God roars louder. God roars hope. God roars love. God roars peace. God roars courage, yeah? God roars destiny. God roars promise. When God roars, man, he roars over your life. And when I was preparing this, I'm like, I can hear him roaring. I can hear him roaring over your life. I can hear his love roaring. I can hear his peace roaring. I can hear his hope roaring. Because no matter what comes against you, God roars louder, yeah? We just simply need to fix our eyes on him, yeah? Fasten your seatbelt on. Fasten your Jesus eyes on. Fasten your eyes upon him and do it again and again. And when you get knocked down, do it again. And when you feel hopeless, do it again. And when you want to give up, do it again. And when you feel like you just failed and you fell short, do it again and do it again and do it again, yeah? You can never fasten your seatbelt enough. You can never fix your eyes on Jesus enough, yeah? Because we want to see how he sees. We want his ways to become our ways. 
Yeah? And you know what? When we continue to fix our eyes on him, do you know what happens? His picture for our life comes to life. Something beautiful, something extraordinary comes to life. You, yeah? Who he destined you to be, who he created you to be. I want to read to you from Isaiah 62.3. This is why we're using Olivia's beautiful gift this morning. It's all right, we've still got a while, it's all good. This is why we're using Olivia's beautiful gift this morning. Isaiah 62 verse 3 says, You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. How cool is that? You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. He wants to mould your life into something so beautiful, something so wonderful. He wants to put you on display, yeah, for like all to see. He wants you to shine so brightly and he wants people to be captivated by what he's doing in your life. God's created you to shine. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Yeah? So that's why Olivia is making these beautiful flower crowns. Beck, do you want to come up? You got blessed with one. We'll probably bless a few more people with them. This is a flower crown. Can you put it on? Wow, it's beautiful. How beautiful is that? <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a bit like the picture of our life, isn't it? You know, it's how God takes one piece and he takes another piece and then he takes another piece. And sometimes we don't even feel like all the pieces that he has are that beautiful. But you know, when what God weaves every piece together, they come out looking so glorious. Thank you. Thanks, Beck. God wants to put you on display, yeah, for all to see. His love, his goodness, his beauty, he wants it to shine through you. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. And it talks about dwelling in his house and gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. You know what? When you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, you know what gets reflected in your life? When you fast and you gaze on him, when you fix your gaze on him, when your eyes are set on him, when you're gazing upon his beauty, then there's a whole lot of beauty that keeps coming back. And you know what? The more you gaze upon him, the more you fix your eyes upon him, the more he shows you how truly beautiful you are, the more he shows you how magnificent you are, how extraordinary you are, how wonderful you are, how valuable, how beautiful you are, yeah? Because the scripture says that you are a crown of beauty, yeah? You're a crown of beauty. You're a crown of beauty in the hands of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And when the Lord was giving me this word, he said, talk to Olivia. 
He said, talk to Olivia and get her to come and make some crowns. Get her to come and make a crown because you know what? Crowns have lots of symbolic meanings and I was looking up some of them recently and crowns represent power, yeah? And remember the scripture says, you will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. So you're a crown of beauty in his hands. And crowns mean they represent power, they represent victory, they represent triumph, they represent honour and they represent glory. You know what? When your life is in God's hands, yeah, when your life is in God's hands, you become a crown of beauty, yeah? You are God's crown of beauty this morning. You are the Lord's crown of beauty. As we continue to fix our gaze on him, as we continue to fasten our gaze upon him, God creates the most beautiful crown of glory in us. Amen? So Olivia's going to keep working away till she finishes her beautiful crowns. Thank you so much for just putting this on display because how good is it to actually paint a picture? Yeah? It's so great to paint a picture, to actually visually see, not just with words, but to visually see what God's doing and what God's saying. So I encourage you to come talk to Olivia. Come say hello. Come love on her. Come ask her about her beautiful kids that come to our dance classes. And um, let's pray, yeah? We are so thankful, God, that you declare that we are a crown of beauty in your hands, God. I thank you that you give us the ways to life, God. You just don't throw us in and expect us to cope or to work it all out on our own or even to have all the answers, Lord. But I do thank you that you speak truth into us and you, that your truth is for us to fasten our gaze upon you for us to fasten those seatbelts, for us to fix our eyes, God, for us to gaze upon your beauty, God. Because I know as we do that, I know when we do that, that the things of earth grow strangely dim and we see through your eyes and we hear through your ears, God, and we allow you to create, God, such a beautiful and magnificent and glorious plan for our life. I thank you, Father, that you roar over us, God, that you roar hope and you roar peace and you roar grace and you roar love, that you are our rock who is dependable, who is steadfast, who is unshakable, God. And today we say that we will not give in to the enemy's weapons of war that would distract us, that would consume us, that would have us focus only on pressure and day-to-day, God, and circumstances, but we choose to fix our eyes on you, you who is beautiful, you who is holy, you who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we can hope, than we can dream, than we can imagine, God, and we just declare those words today that no eye has seen and no ear has heard what God has imagined for those that love him, God. I thank you that we haven't even seen, God, everything you're going to do yet. We haven't heard, God. And even, even, even in our wildest imaginations, you have more, God. So reveal the more, God. Reveal the more, God. Elevate our seeing, God. Elevate our vision, God, that we would begin to see through your eyes 
and to hear through your ears, Father. We thank you for Olivia. We thank you for her gift, God. I thank you for just her willingness to be with us this morning and to paint a picture of the crown of glory that you place upon us, God, that you have created us to shine, God. You have created us to stand out. You have created us, God, to just display to the world your beauty. So we thank you for the gift that she is. We thank you for the gifts that you've given her, God, and her willingness, God, to just share the journey with us this morning. We do love you, God. We adore you. We fix our gaze upon you. We thank you for just the joy of living with our gaze fixed on you. We thank you for the hope that comes and we fix our gaze on you. We thank you for peace that cannot be explained, God. When our eyes are set on you, we thank you for dreams, for visions, God, for the unveiling of wonderful and glorious things in you. We thank you for your church. We thank you for our family. We thank you for the gift of being able to share life together because we are so much better together, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Have a great day. Come and chat to Olivia. Come and look at these beautiful crowns. They are extraordinary. They're absolutely extraordinary. We love you. We'll see you tonight, 6.30, Overflow. Amen.